Welcome to New Week, New Music. In this episode, Ben is going to go over his list in the 27 album ranking. If you haven't, check out the previous bonus episode where we compared the lists and talked about them in general. So, yeah, we'll start with mine. So, um, yeah, we talked about, Brandon mentioned tears a little bit, and I also definitely had some tears. As I mentioned, there were only three albums that had a chance at taking the top spot, and they were all the ones that I chose. Uh, Remain in Light, Red, and Spiderland. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I, went, I'm not, I, yeah. I have no room to talk. I picked my three favorites as well. Yeah. But as I said on mine, like, I picked those for a reason. You picked those for a reason. Exactly. It just means we probably had a good idea of what we like. That being I'm said, I, I did really like a stupid. ton of the albums that you guys recommended. So I'm really glad that I got to hear some of your picks because I do want to talk about those as well. Um, I went with Remain in Light as my best. I thought it was just it was the best mix of creativity slash musicianship. And not that it's flawless, because there's a few things I could point out, but overall, like seven of these eight tracks are just incredible. Uh, I went with Spiderland second. Uh, This was really tough call uh, versus Red, but I went with Spiderland because I thought just as an experience of an album and as one that stays with me, it really holds true. And like Brandon said, it's one of those albums where like you hear it the first time, you're like, what's the big deal? And then it just like, like this album was like burrows its way like into your soul. And I don't know how or why, but uh, it's it's got this aura around it. Now, uh, um, yeah. Real quick, um, uh-huh. I do want to mention how much of like the aura and or like mystique of this album is related to the fact that Slint the band this uh, they did, only did two albums and they right. split up almost immediately after this album was released. How much do you think that relates into this? Uh, I think it probably a good amount. Yeah, I mean, because they, this is like all they ever did, basically. So, yeah, I think that definitely plays a part. Also, the song structure, you know, each song just has like one just really simple but beautiful riff, and everything is built around that. And there's a lot of like half this album is probably just like really quiet time where not a whole lot is going on. It just builds this incredible mystique. But I don't know, I, I still can't put my finger on it, like you said. I uh, went with Red uh, in third place. Um, it's one of the most metal, non-metal albums I've ever heard. I mean, it, the whole thing is just like this inferno of tortured guitar and vocals and just really just hard-hitting musicality. Um, great use of other instruments. There's some sax in there, some horns. I mean, just beautiful arrangements. This one was the biggest surprise for me personally. Uh, I chose Daughters, You Won't Get What You Want as my fourth, and I honestly did not expect this to be nearly this high when we first started this endeavor, but it was between this and Kanye and Mad Villainy. Um, Those were in a really tight lock up until last night, and I ended up going with Daughters just because it's such a brutal, well-executed, thematically new and original album and I think it executes what it's going for better than the other two that I mentioned. I went with Mad Villainy over My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but again, that was a super close call. The main reason I chose Mad Villainy was because I felt it was, uh, it had less flaws basically. Like there's no real flaws in Mad Villainy. Uh, I will admit that My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is conceptually more interesting than Mad Villainy, but there's a few errors uh in it that i think bring it down a bit like brandon mentioned the chris rock monologue which i will admit is hilarious but thank you Kanye. definitely brings the album down a bit 
that being said, like this album's brilliant. And yeah, it's no other rap album has evoked the emotions that this one has for me. Uh, for seven, I put the infamous. Um, like Brandon said, it sounds dated, but I honestly think that helps the album rather than hinders it. It's got incredible beats. Um, it's so dark and just gloomy, which I love. And almost every single track is really, really solid. Uh, I chose Plastic Beach as number eight. Um, again, fantastic album. Um, I really, really liked it. I listened to it a bunch. I probably listened to this one more than anything else. Um, it just really grew on me over time. It's such an easy listen. It is, but it's also deep. There's also yeah. a lot going on. Like, it's just... Yeah. Um, there are a few tracks I think either could have been rearranged or maybe left out um, where the flow of the album is broken a bit. So there's a few minor critiques, but overall, I mean, there's so many good tracks here. Great album. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I do, I do want to say um, about the album that you had touched on is... Um, kind of going back to a few weeks ago when we did What Makes a Perfect Album, if you notice, I did not mention Plastic Beach as one of my options for What Makes a Perfect Album, because I do think there are some flaws on here. Some some tracks are not as interesting as others. But I think uh, Plastic Beach is one of the great examples of it's better than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And... Yep. And that, that's why I have it at number one, even though I don't have it as a perfect 10 out of 10, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, oh, speaking of that phrase, greater than the sum of its parts, I was going to mention um, Spider-Land for me is like the prime example of that phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Where it's I, just would, like, I would also agree, because if I listen to any one track off of Spider-Land, I don't think I'd like it. Yeah, that album just epitomizes that, that phrase. And yeah. Um, yeah, Plastic Beach. And then for nine, I chose The Satanist. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's so brutal and hard-hitting, so consistent. They kept it shorter than a lot of other metal albums, which is great. Um, just nothing wrong with this album. I mean, it's it's such a great listen. And even as a non-metal you know, aficionado like you guys are, I mean, I still really, really like The Satanist. And speaking of cutoffs, this was the point uh, where we went from great albums to just really solid albums after the satanist that was the last great one that i identified and uh, 10 i chose southern playlistic cadillac music southern playlistic cadillac funk music this is great um <laughs> definitely some flaws on this album but man so many bangers here it, i this this album made me want to go visit atlanta like <laughs> it was yeah it was great um i really enjoyed this one uh, like Brandon said, the skits were actually listenable for once. Uh, for 11, and I'm surprised you guys put this one so low. I chose. I'm surprised uh, Anna- to see this so high for you. Jesus. Huh, okay. I don't know why you guys don't like it, but uh, I really like this album. Um, God, Ben's a filthy fucking East Coast metal guy. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, this album is not nearly as well put together or arranged as like Metallica's early stuff or Megadeth's. You know, that being said, I still thought it was really solid. The worst thing I could say about it is it does get a little tiresome and repetitive after a while. Let's say I enjoyed the first half hour of it a lot more. God, than you're I giving me shit for putting Otoboke Beaver above other groundbreaking albums, and you got fucking Anthrax at 11. It's a good album. I don't... Okay. I'm, I'm surprised that's not the hottest take, honestly. Well, I think Rate Your Music agrees with me, but we'll have to look at that. Um, um, rate Your not. Music puts Anthrax 
number 15. So Okay. It's definitely uh, not actually a great closer number. to Ben than it's closer yeah. to R, so Yeah. Okay. All right, continue uh, Ben. Yeah. So for 12 now this was might have been the hardest one for me to rank. Wings, chocolate and cheese. I initially had absolutely no idea where to put this album just because it's so intentionally ridiculous and silly. But I ended up putting it pretty high. Um, and the reason for that is like the songwriting here is just amazing. I mean, these are guys who could have been making really good music, but instead they choose to make this shit. And it's great. Just the creativity and the silliness and the sense of humor here, I think, is enough to warrant this album ranking pretty darn high. And granted, a lot of people, it's not for them. But I mean, you've got you've got, you know, so much variety here. You've got a beautiful guitar solo on a tear for Eddie, but they throw in a drum machine just for shits and giggles. You've got the weird like kid with spinal meningitis. Spinal You've got one song. Spinal <laughs> meningitis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I respect the hell out of Ween. But man, they are not for me. <laughs> That's fair. They are not for yeah. me. They're either like it's pretty black and white with this group. Uh, for thirteen, uh, and I'm surprised you guys put this so low. I chose Nola. Um, I really like this album. Um, of the few that Eric recommended, there was this uh, Electric and Galacticon, and those few were kind of close for me for a while. I ended up choosing Nola uh, pretty high. I just thought it brought a really good energy. It wasn't like super interesting music but as far as executing like just really hard-hitting fun to listen to metal i really like this album and then uh, we have operation mind crime uh which i'm really glad you recommended to me eric because this is the first time in my life i've actually liked uh, a hair metal album so thank you for that um i think it was really well done uh, i didn't know a hair metal concept album could be done well but yak beans right did it and uh yeah um it was good I think the uh, the plot was pretty cool. A lot of the political stuff seemed very relevant to a lot of the stuff that's going on today, especially with you know Bernie Sanders and the progressive movement. At the same time, I also liked how you know the story is about a guy joining a cult, basically. So there's kind of that uh, duality, I guess. Between, you know, is it a message the band is promoting, or or is it something that was taken to an extreme through you know the person being indoctrinated? I thought it was kind of a compelling album in that regard. Uh, then I chose Electric by the Cult. Um, I enjoyed this album. I didn't think it was particularly interesting, but this was kind of like a band where they did what ACDC does, except way better than ACDC ever did. Uh, it's very simple song structure, you know, not that interesting, but, you know, just fun riffs, um, high energy. I thought they executed it way better than anything ACDC ever did. Uh, Amy Whitehouse's Frank, like Brandon said, it's a great album, amazing singing. Uh, it's dragged down by the fact that a lot of the songs sound more like her doing an exhibition on how well she can sing rather than actual songwriting. But I'd say there are three or four tracks here where the songwriting is just really fucking good. Uh, then we have Brendan Small's Galacticon, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, it was silly. It was great. Uh, the production was incredible. The playing was incredible. And it was just a fun, goofy kind of joke metal album. Uh, Kendrick Lamar's Damn, uh, which I like, but it definitely has a lot of flaws in it. Um, it's a big step down from Butterfly. Not that that really brought it down. I, I just don't think it's a great album, although it is good. Uh, Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin. Um, again, an album that had a ton of potential, and there are some things on the album I love, but there are also a lot of things on the album that I do not like and I think are pretty flawed. 
So that's why it went down so low for me. Uh, Switch on Bach by Wendy Carlos was another difficult one to place. Um, I think the story of the album is probably, you know, just as cool as just about anything on here. But at the end of the day, it is a cover album, and that's going to bring it down for me just because it's not original. That being said, um, I don't know if Bach ever intended for his music to be played on a synthesizer, but <laughs> it works really well. It sounds really good. I thought it was funny, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. It sounds great. The arrangements are so cool. Um, then we have Super Unknown by um, Soundgarden. And yeah, like Brandon said, um, this album's just way too long. I think a lot of the individual songs are really good. And I love Chris Cornell's weird for me because I love his voice, but at the same time, I get tired of his voice really fast. I don't know how that makes sense, but that's my experience with him. Yeah, he's got like a two song limit for me. He's got a two song limit. Yeah, exactly. And I think every song here is pretty solid. But yeah, the fact that this is like an hour and 10 minutes is just really dragged it down. Uh, then we have Metallica's The Black Album. Uh, kind of similar to Super Unknown for me. Um, the best songs are pretty good. The worst songs are okay. This was, uh, I think, the first time Metallica started to become kind of vanilla. There's nothing that's hard hitting here. There's nothing that's that interesting. It's just them playing solid tracks. Uh, then we have Pink Floyd's The Final Cut. And I will uh, actually agree with Brandon that this is an underrated album. Uh, a lot of people really deride this one because, you know, it's Roger Waters being angsty and political. And while it, that certainly does get a little old on this album, I think it's still a compelling listen. And uh, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, it's certainly by yeah. no means one of the best. It doesn't hold a candle to like Dark Side of the Moon or The Wall or, you know, Pink Floyd's best music, right. but I, I think it's it's really good and deserves more praise than it gets. Yeah, I, I would say it's good. I don't. I definitely wouldn't say it's really good, but I would still say it's a good album. I think the main problem with this is that the strength of Pink Floyd prior to this was the incredible creative collaboration of all the band members, whereas the final cut is basically just Roger Waters at the helm. It's like every time I heard David Gilmour play, I was like, oh shit, there's David Gilmour. Where was that the rest of the album? And like, it, it just, it's not synthesized like their previous stuff was. It's like, you can tell that the band is falling apart a bit at this point. That being yeah. said, I think it's still worth listening to. And I would agree that it's underrated. Then we have uh, Ichikoma Hits, which again, I really loved. It's just, I can't justify putting it higher than this um, because it's, you know, it's playing silly punk songs for 25, 30 minutes. They're great at what they do. And I loved it. Um, it's just from a creativity standpoint, I can't put it any higher than that. But I did really like it. Now we reach the cutoff point where the rest of the albums, I just wasn't that warm toward. But it's great, you know, 24 of these 27, I definitely liked, so that's a good thing. We have uh, ACDC's Back in Black, which for me is just very eh. Um, I do really like the opening track, Hell's Bells. I will admit that's one of my favorite ACDC tracks, and I actually think that's a really good track. Problem is about three to four songs in, it just becomes really old and tiresome with they're granted they're bangers, but they're they're only bangers because of what they represented rather than the music itself. And it just gets old really fast for me. And an album of nothing but just, you know, rock bangers. Just an album of just nothing but bangers in general tends to get old pretty quick. Exactly. Yeah. And then we have the point where I just didn't like 
this, the album. You got Paul's Boutique. At the best, it's eh. At the worst, it's kind of bad. I don't get why people like uh, this band or this album, but uh, the lyrics are so stupid. Uh, these guys do not know how to sample. Because I remember that one song where they sampled Curtis Mayfield, um, and it just starts with the bass line. I'm like, oh, cool, this is Superfly. And then the drums are going to kick in, and it's one of my favorite songs. And then it's just like, it goes absolutely nowhere. And even though they're obviously, <laughs> they're not ripping people off because they're sampling, it still feels like they're ripping off Curtis Mayfield and every other group that they sample. It's just, it's just bad. <sighs> then we have the truly, the only truly awful album on this list, which is Def Leppard's Hysteria. Again, I have no idea why people like this music. It sounds like trash. I think you're just being ableist, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> even for a band, with seven arms, they still sing. <laughs> even with those uh, you can't even take points. an octopus in a fight. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, that's that's my All list. Right. Eric, you've got some explaining to do. Yes, you do. We bill ourselves on hot takes, and in the final part of our 27 album ranking, Eric makes good on that statement. Join us in the next episode where Eric justifies his placement of the albums on these lists. Thank you very much for listening and have a good night.